All right, so that's not really what we're going for. We're looking for ways to push beyond our walls, beyond our comfort, because people need to know Jesus just like we need to, and people need to be loved and cared for internally uh, just like we do. And so today, we're going to start with something that might be a little bit rough. We're going to start by talking about how our money works in this. All right, Jesus talks a ton about money, and just because we don't want to talk about it doesn't mean that money is important, doesn't mean that God's plan for our money and God's direction and teaching for our money isn't true. Just because we don't want to talk about it it doesn't mean that it's true. We've got a phenomenal kids ministry here. All right, Teacher Robin has done an awesome job over the last year and some months, 16 months, uh, raising up a team of people who are ready to train and release the next generation uh, to follow Jesus. A lot of you did that first service, uh, and just as you were in serving first and sitting in second, there's a whole team of people that was sitting in first and is now serving in second. And last Sunday, something happened that was totally off, uh, off the radar and wasn't, wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, if you're thinking, he's going to trash on some kid and the parents are going to be really mad. I'm not mad, uh, but my son uh, walked up to this drawing that, that the teachers had made of a, of a person. It's like, this is how God works with you. Uh, and he walks up and he points to the bottom of the torso okay, and he starts describing everything that's there in very graphic detail. Just because we don't want to talk about it doesn't mean that it's not true. So as we look at money today, let's just remember that, that just because we don't want to talk about it doesn't mean that it's not true. And Jesus has things that he wants to share with us about the way that we view, the way that we talk about, the, the hold that money has over our hearts, whether good or bad. All of this uh, is things that Jesus wants to work with. And he does this because, like what Pastor Greg said, he's lived our life. He knows our life. The difference between us and Jesus is that Jesus did it all perfect, uh, and that hasn't been us for whatever reason. And so Jesus understands money worry, how it's different than every other worry. He understands money fights, how they're different from any other fights. And so what he wants to do is he wants to help us in that. And Jesus' whole philosophy around money for us boils down to one simple statement, and that is that you and I cannot serve two masters. We can't serve two masters. And so what he wants to do is he wants to share with us, okay, this is, this is actually how you need stuff. There are things in our lives that we need, and Jesus talks about that. Jesus understands the need for food. One of the miracles that he did was he provided food where there was no food. Okay, he talks about being homeless, not having a place to live, and he says it's a bad thing. Like, we should have a place to live. And so within that, Jesus wants to share with us how he views money and how he wants us to view it. So we're in uh, Matthew 6, 19 to the rest of the chapter, or 19 to 30-something. And every week, if you're new here, every week we're going to look at the Bible. You can buy a paper and ink Bible uh, in the info table as you head out today. Uh, if you really want one and don't have the cash, just ask for a Bible. We're going to give you a Bible. If you want a Bible that lives on your phone, go to your app store and look up two words, you, just spell out Y-O-U, and then version, and that'll direct you to a place where you can download for free a Bible that lives on your phone. You can select the New Living Translation, and that's where we are every single week, and that's where you can be reading along on everything, because it's good. So uh, Matthew 6, 19, Jesus is talking about money, and he says, don't store up treasure. He's not against treasure. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure, so now he's for it. Store up your treasures in heaven. There's the piece. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. 
Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then he makes it really, really clear for us in 24, and the part, the part that we just talked about. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Like for us at Sunnyside, the way that we look at honoring God and serving God above serving our money, it comes to three things that are on the screen. One is the number 100. We believe that 100% of the money that comes into our life, the resources that come into our life are from God. There's not a single person in here who is a self-made man or a self-made woman. We are sons and daughters of a king who generously provides to us, sometimes through our jobs, sometimes through other ways, whatever. But the skill and ability that you have is not something that's, that generates and starts and comes from just us. That thing that you do that is so well that people pay you to do it is a gift given to you by God. God gives all of us skills and abilities to go out and work and earn money or, or to stay home and take care of people to earn money. Right, 100% of where it is comes from God. And so for all of us tomorrow, if we lose our job, it's not like God is going to be like, whoa, what do we do? I got a situation in Southeast Fresno I need to take care of because there's somebody who doesn't have a job. I don't know what to do. It's just like turning off a faucet. God has turned on the faucet in our lives where we, where we work, where we bring home a paycheck from, and just as easily turn it on, he can turn it off. And when he turns it off, he'll turn on another one. So 100% of the money that comes into our lives comes from God. The second number up there is the number 10. That means that as 100% comes in from God, 10% of it goes straight back to God. This is the practice of God's people from the beginning of Scripture, that when God, our generous God, provides that 100% for us, 10% goes straight back. It's detailed a lot in the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible before Jesus came. Jesus came, and there are tons of rules that he changed and expanded, and one of the things that he didn't really touch was that 10%. At one point, he's in a conversation with people about finances, and he says, you should tithe. So I read that and say... I should tithe. Tithing is a mathematical number. It's 10% of what comes in, or the 100% comes in, the 10% goes back out. And what that does is it does two things. The first thing is it gets us used to giving away money because we're no longer holding it all tight and keeping it all for ourselves. It gets us used to giving away. It gets us used to being open and free and generous with our money. And as we give to the church, what it does then is it funds ministry. Everything we do costs money. I say that with a smile. It's a good thing because we have a very generous church. We're not starting the year on money because, oh my gosh, 2018 was horrible. 2018 was a good year for us as a church. And 2019 is going to be just as good, if not better. Uh, but what it does, what that 10% does when released to the local church is it funds ministry to introduce people to Jesus. At one point in our lives, we didn't know God. At one point in our story, in our journey, we didn't know God. In some way, Jesus, if you're a Christian here, in some way Jesus came into your life, you heard about Jesus. And ministry costs money. The things that we get to do as a church cost money, and they're funded by the people here who give. And so as we give that 10% back, some of what we're giving to is things like block parties that we do uh, when the weather is nice and outside and the sun is up later than 445 for us to be able to bring out the good news of Jesus with cotton candy and fun music and introduce families to Jesus. Another thing that we do is we like to throw parties here at Sunnyside for anything imaginable. Right, during the summer, we had a beginning of summer party because it's an excuse to invite people with food and a bounce house and a pool after church. And we also throw in end of summer party because it's another excuse to invite people because there's food and a bounce house and a pool. Like who throws a party at both ends of the summer? 
people who want other people to know Jesus and just want an excuse for a party. That's us. And so as we give that 10% back to the church, we're funding and fueling ministry to get out of this place as soon as possible because we want people around us to know Jesus. And then that third symbol, that less than symbol, that means that we live on less than we make. We budget margin into our lives everywhere possible so that we can be generous. So that what, what we receive is, is goes back 10% right away. We manage that 90 the best way that we can. And then when there's some left over, we use it to bless our family. We use it to bless others when they're in need. We use it to bless ourselves 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, because we're saving it to spend later. We use it as a tool and as a means for blessing. And so when we talk about finances, uh, those are the three things that are big for us. And if you look at those and you're like, you have no clue where I am because everything in my life right now is financially, looks like it was stuck in a blender and it's a mess. Okay, so we are a church that wants to help in any way possible. And there are two things. One of them, uh, my email is going to pop up on screen right now. Uh, if you want a budget worksheet, like something to help you just organize, this is how much comes in, this is where it gets spent, this is how much little I have left at the end of the month. Okay, let's go back and let's see how we can reorganize things to see that there's money going to be left over at the end of the month. Uh, send me an email. You don't have to say, this is who it is, this is my name. Just send it and say, hey, I'd like the budget sheet, and I can send it back to you. Uh, we did this in November, and there were a hand people, handful of people. Uh, we thought it'd be easier just to send an email discreetly than to show up at a table or come forward or whatever. Uh, so you can just send an email. Can you help me with the budget? And I'll send it out to you, either in Excel or Numbers or PDF, whatever works for you. Uh, we did it in November, and people continue to email and say, hey, could you send that thing you talked about? Because we want to be a church that helps in any way possible. We are a family. One of the ways that, that the Bible talks about the church is you're a body. If you can't lift something with your arms, what do you do is you engage your legs. And as a church, we want to come together to help each other, uh, especially or even in the area of budgeting, if that's not your strength. Another area that we want to be helpful uh, is as we launch life groups in February, we're going to launch one life group that's all about financial peace. That's the name of it. It helps you get your budget right. It helps you get stuff right around your spending, uh, and it is really, really good. Anna and I did it a number of years ago, and we've led a group uh, last year, and it's going to be a great opportunity for you to kind of go through financial boot camp uh, and get stuff right for the future. It's really good, and that'll be advertised in February. So as we give it away, as we live open-handed, as we live under God's blessing with our finances, looking for opportunities to be generous, suddenly money takes on a different power, not because it's, we're living in fear or living in constraint, but because our money can be used as a tool of blessing. There's a guy in the Bible, or a guy who wrote part of the Bible, his name's Luke, and he explains this uh, around money. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. He's quoting Jesus here. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need because this will store up treasure for you in heaven. He's saying as you have extra, as you're starting to build your treasure, as you're starting to build your kingdom, sell what you have and give to those in need. And so for us as a church, the way that we get behind this is that as we serve God with our money, that means that we're using it to serve the poor. We're using it to serve the poor who are financially poor. One of the first things that we're going to start in our new building is ways that we can give away food and give away clothing. Third Saturday of every month, we're doing a food and clothing distribution at our new building as a way of putting skin on and putting people as a physical representation to our community to say, God loves you and we want to help you. Here's some food. God loves you. We want to help you. Here's free clothes that you can pick out in your size for you and your kids and your family. And, and this is our way of blessing you. 
This is something we get excited about as a church. And we also want to go after those who are spiritually poor, which are people like us before we met Jesus. We want to use the money that God brings and pours into our lives, not just to stay here and make us comfortable to keep the aquarium, but instead of for us to go out and be fishers of people, to bring people into a love relationship with God. And so for us, it's good to follow Jesus' teaching about money. And following Jesus' teaching about money is going to make us better at life and make our lives better. And it's going to create a few things in us. One of the things that it's going to create is we're going to become more like Jesus and we're going to love God more than anything. When we look at generosity, we get to see God's heart on display because God's interaction with us, God's relationship with us is something that's totally built on generosity. John 3.16 is a famous Bible verse, and it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his son so that we wouldn't perish, so we wouldn't die, but instead we would experience life through Jesus and never die. We would live with God in heaven forever because God gave. God is the eternally ultimate rich king who saw us in our place of need, and instead of saying, get better, I have a plan for you, he gave his life. Jesus is God with skin on, so God gave his own life for us to not just be rescued from hell, but instead for God to buy peace with himself for us on our behalf. God loves his holiness, and he didn't say it's enough just for me to keep this here. Instead, I'm going to share this with my people to the point that he gave to us and exchanges, exchanges our sin from us, which he despises. He's giving. His generosity is what brings us in relationship with God. And for us, giving is a reflective, reflexive response for us with God. We're saying, I'm going to be like my heavenly father who gave everything for me to have a relationship with him. So in turn, I'm going to look for opportunities to give. It pales in in comparison to what God did for us, but it's still, it's God's fingerprint on our lives. I don't know about you, I look exactly like my dad, and so there are things that I do, ways that I look, that people look at me and like, oh, you're totally Steve's son. For us, when we look for opportunities uh, to be generous, what we're doing is we're saying, "I'm, I'm God's son, I'm God's daughter. We're building our treasure, not just here on earth, but in the life to come in heaven. And as we do this, we're not doing this because God hates treasure. Like in the Old Testament, the period before Jesus, where God is laying out exactly what he wants his temple, his house to look like, there's no section where it's, okay, here's where you put the cardboard and the duct tape. Like this is the plan for my house is cardboard and duct tape. It's gold, it's bronze, it's silver, it's iron, it's huge pillars that are going to be amazing. It's jewels everywhere. But he's saying more than just building temples here, I want you to build temples in heaven. And like Jesus, we're building treasure in other people's lives, which is then forwarded into eternity as we look for opportunities to be generous and step forward into generosity. And second thing is when we do this, a flood of mission is released. I think it's a great image because you can't really control a flood as it's happening. I mean, you can set up stuff, but every once in a while, if it's a flood, it's going to go over what you've set up. And for us, one of the big things that's on the the horizon for us as a church is the opportunity this year to move into a building. So since it began, Mountain View Sunnyside has been mobile and lived in in schools and stuff like that. Uh, And on July 22nd, or July 20th, we closed escrow on a piece of property on Kings Canyon between Fowler and Armstrong. Specifically, it's on Kings Canyon and Bergen. Uh, And there's four buildings there. It's four and a quarter acres. Uh, It's going to be an amazing place for us. And so to bring us up to date of everything that's happened so far, uh, we closed escrow on the 22nd. On the 20th, we took an offering uh, here in this place. 
because there's some money that needs to go towards repairs and go towards making stuff right in there uh, because there's a roof that is in danger of falling in and there's tons of stuff that needs to be brought out of the 50s and into the 2000 teens uh, and we're excited to do that. So as a church, Everyone who gave, gave $29,014.87, and since then, that's been uh, put into effect to start repairing things and start bringing stuff back to normal. So if you haven't been there, uh, after church, Steve-O is going to head over to the building with keys to unlock everything, and you can give yourself a self-guided tour, uh, see see what we're looking at, see which rooms are already done, which is the two kids' rooms, see which rooms are in the middle of being done, which is our hospitality kitchen area, and you can see the sanctuary, which is miles from being done. The reason that that one hasn't been touched yet is because legally we need signed approved permits for us to be able to do anything in there other than rip out all of the 1940s stuff that is just weird looking. Like the black and white checkered tile, no one wants to go to that church. Uh, So we're ripping that out uh, so that it looks like us when we move in and it'll be awesome. So what's happening with permits and stuff? All right. This is where it gets funny and exciting and scary all at the same time. So back in September, we submitted our drawings and said, this is what we want to do. And the city gave us a few things to work on and then put our file on somebody's desk so that they could like follow through and make sure that we do everything. That person retired and our file stayed on their desk. So when we didn't hear anything for two months, we got our city council, and per, city council person involved, uh, and they called up, and then they called us back and said, yeah, the person retired, and your file uh, sat and did nothing for two months. That's why your building sat and did nothing for two months. So now it's starting to get pushed through. Uh, the city wanted us to make five big changes. They wanted us to put sprinklers in the building. They wanted us to ma- do some stuff to make everything look nicer, look safer, pay them some money for developing the area. We're like, yes, we're all in on that. We submitted those, and now our permits are in line to get approved. Now, what can happen is if you go there when you drive up today, uh, you'll see that there's no curb and gutter around the north side and the east side of our property. The city could tell us, and they've got the right to tell us, that you need to put curb and gutter around there, you need to put sidewalks around there, and you need to put street lights around there, because currently there's none of it, and we own the land, and so we could be responsible for that. For us as a church, that's a huge stinking deal, because that's many thousands of dollars Uh, to do all that stuff. The land just north of us across Kings Canyon has been bought by a very successful home developer, which means that as we move in, there's going to be literally thousands of people moving in across the street, and we're going to be there on their doorstep with flyers for stuff that's happening across the street at the church that you all already go to and make amazing. That's a huge thing for us. What I'm praying for every day at 337, which I'll get into, and numerous other times through the day, is that the city doesn't tell us that we have to do curb, gutter, sidewalk, streetlights. That's going to be a huge deal for us. It is one million percent out of my ability to control, no matter how fast I talk, how many people I talk to, and how early I get up and whatever. That is out of my hands to control. But as a church, it's not out of our ability to pray. I Psalm 37.3, so that's why I got the 337. Psalm 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. That's what we're going to do. And you will live long and you will prosper in the city. For us, that's my goal for us as a church, is that we're going to be a church that's making a difference in southeast Fresno for a really long time because we're going to trust God to fight the battles that we cannot fight. I can't go before the city and say, no sidewalks, no curb, no gutters, no streetlights, make somebody with money pay for that. Not a nonprofit church. I can't do that, but God can God can bring our, atten- our case to the people's attention who realized, hey, somebody retired and this case isn't having anything dealt with. 
And so stuff moves ahead. God can do more than we can do. And so my, my request for us as a church is to be praying for this. You want to be like me and you've got a million things in your head and so you very often forget to pray for things? Set an alarm. I've got four alarms that go off in my phone every day reminding me of verses that I'm praying over our church. One of them is at 337 uh, to pray that we're going to trust in the Lord, we're going to do good, and that because of what he's going to do for us that we can't do, we're going to prosper in Southeast Fresno. And as we prosper, people are going to prosper. For us as a church, our goal is to to bring the light of Jesus into every area. And so like I said, one of the things we're doing as we move in right away is we're going to open a food and clothing distribution at our campus that happens once a month so that people in our community who food is an issue for, who clothing is an issue for, can come and they can get it for free. Are we worried about being taken advantage of? Heck no. Because we want to be a place that's open-handed and generous with our community. If you think, yeah, well, main campus already does that at Ashland Fowler, why can't they go there? Because if you're walking everywhere, because every ounce of gas matters to you, Ashland and Fowler might as well be in Russia, right? We want to bring that close. We want to be a place that makes Southeast Fresno prosper because we're doing what we can in Southeast Fresno to make Jesus look good. For us, we're going through this for the sake of lost people. It'd be really easy at this point to sell the, sell the land to somebody else who can flatten it and build homes or build apartments. But we're continuing to be patient. We're continuing to look at the stuff that gets thrown on. You need to pay a couple more thousand dollars for this and a couple more thousand dollars for this and that and whatever. We're doing this for the sake of lost people. We're being patient for the sake of lost people. We all planned to no longer be here at this time, but to be at the building. And the reason that we're being patient, the reason that we keep extending the deadline, which is now like we're hoping July, hoping July, um, is because we know that eventually it's going to be a good decision for us as a church to be there because it's going to give us more of an ability to reach lost people. And that's what's exciting for us. This is not just a building to, to be in there and not have to do setup anymore, but it's an opportunity. It's a hub for us to see people who don't yet know Jesus meet Jesus because there's a church that's able to be there, financially able and physically able to be there 24-7. And that's a good thing for us. That's what gets me excited. And third thing is we become the happiest people on the planet. And we live out God's embodiment and God's empowerment in us when we're content with what we have. Tim saw this, uh, Pastor Tim saw a cool example of that this week. He was driving down uh, the street and saw a big hawk right in the middle of the street sitting on something. Uh, And that's what it looked like. And so right as when he got his camera out, uh, the hawk flew away. And so he got a picture of the hawk flew away. That's a uh, medium-sized hawk with an extra large pigeon in its talons. Uh, for us, for him, that's like dinner for a couple weeks. Uh, but as it flew, there's a fence ahead of it uh, that the hawk was heading right toward because the huge pigeon was keeping it down. And so I had to work extra hard to get the hawk and dinner time uh, up over the fence and then out to enjoy it in, in its own comfort and country and all that stuff. For us, the more we hold on to this world, the less happy we're going to be. The more we hold on to building our treasure here, the less happy we're going to be. Like, there's a great study that says that the greatest like, percentage of people who worry about money and worry about provision are the wealthy. It's not the poor. It's the people who have more money than they know what to do with because it's enough money to make them crazy. And so what Jesus says is, I want you to build your treasure here on earth. I want you to be a conduit. or Build your treasure in heaven, not here on earth. I want you to be a conduit, not a dam. The 100% is coming in. The 10% is going out. And then as you live below your means, I want you to use that as an opportunity to bless other people. 
And when we store up treasure in heaven, we're changed and so is our world. And if we just focus that in and look at our own lives, we're changed and so is our world. Because God teaches us generosity. God takes away our money worries. God takes away our money fights because we're able to live simply and be simple blessings to other people. God releases to us at Sunnyside a building that's going to be missionized and then uh, employed to see people meet Jesus there. Not just on Sunday mornings, but on Mondays and Tuesdays and all throughout the week. Through that, he's going to release us to be able to do more financially because there's less bills that we have to pay and the rent can't go up. Instead, our payment is going to be fixed. And so Jesus explains this. What's the end result of this it's going to look like for all of us? He says in 25, that's why I tell you don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more important than food and your body more important than clothing? For anyone who was alive in the 90s and wore the MC Hammer parachute pants, we are very thankful that our life is more important than just our clothes. 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns and your heavenly Father feeds them. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? My fear accomplishes nothing. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and are thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He's saying, I have something better for you than worry. I'm giving you myself, and with that comes my peace. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Man, God's invitation for us this year is for us to take another step in following him in every way. And specifically today, we're going to look at taking that next step in following God with our finances. And so my question for us today is, church, what's your next step? If you're not tithing, if you're not giving that 10% back to God, this is the year for you to start. If there's an organization that needs to, help and needs to happen first to free up that 10% for you to be able to follow God with your finances, we're a body that works together to see that happen. And I encourage us as a church to not give in to fear about what's going to happen when that 10% heads out, but instead to press into faith, knowing that God is our provider. If you're already tithing, what's your next step? Your next step is to look for ways to give generously, is to shrink in the budget a little bit more, to have money each month where you can give away extra, where you can be a blessing in other people's lives or a blessing in your own future life, freeing you to continue to be a blessing because 20 years from now, you're not going to have the same financial worries that you do now. And if you already are generous, if you're tithing, if you're generous, if you're looking for more ways, then then our posture is to say, okay, God, you know that everything that I have is yours. Direct me, push me, move me, put me exactly where you want me to be, to be your vessel of generosity in whatever situation I'm in. We talked about tithing, and one of my big things is if I'm going to say something, I want to also say how we apply that. Um, There are tons of ways that we can remember to tithe, uh, whether it's your own reminder and writing a check and dropping it in the basket every month. There's also the automatic way, which I use, uh, which is through our app, and you can schedule uh, your payments to be made every month. And what this does is it's going to tithe. It's going to have you reminded to give your 10% to the church, whether or not you remember. It's just going to automatically happen. I love that because when I don't remember, it does, and you can 
can pick up some information on how to do that at the info table on our way out. Bottom line is, God wants to use us this year to change the world. And we get to be a church that experiences that in all the ways that he has for us. They're good. It's going to be a great year as God works through us to impact Southeast Fresno. Let's stand and pray.